First thing that happens in acting classes, everybody's hopping and jumping and doing all that kind of stuff. They love that. That's great. It's not of any use when you're doing film stuff. Nothing. None of it is. None of it. Zero. That is Ron Morosco, accomplished TV, film, and theater actor, author of the highly acclaimed book on acting technique, Notes to an Actor, and now professor of theater at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. And I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. On this episode, part two of the effective techniques to book film and TV work if you're a trained theater actor. I was briefly chair of my theater department, and one of the things I did was we had some kind of alternative spaces, and I put all of our, lots of our shows in these smaller spaces because I felt it was going to get the actors a little bit more able to be, you know, um, ready for converting to film. Where when they were in this one big, ugly-ass theater that we have that's like an auditorium kind of a space, it encouraged a kind of acting that I thought was not going to be very useful for them, you know, getting work. Um, so I tried to put them in somewhat smaller spaces just because I knew that if they were going to get work, they were going to do, you know, film and television. So I think those are just some basic, you know, rules of thumb. Don't let the coordination scare you. Um, and it is highly coordinated. One of the things we've mentioned before is the issue of the, the script. They cut on specific lines. And so they need you to do them over and over again very much the same way because that's how they're cutting. Yeah. And sometimes an um or a uh, you know, will, will, will be a problem. And a lot of times, even in overlapping dialogue, they almost always do the overlapping dialogue. And the word that they use all the time in sound is what? The word is clean. Don't overlap. We want to do it clean. Mm-hmm. So if you're somebody who knows how to be believable and clean doing your line over and over, same way, same basic way, same basic way, but clean, believable, clean, believable, that's going to be very, very helpful, you know. And it's it's a tight form and it's coordinated. Of course, the Brits are better at that because they've been raised on Shakespeare, and you can't go to be or um, well, I mean, not to be. You know, they're, you're much more used to the exactitude of words, and they've just been trained doing that a little bit. Which is again what I said and have said to you all along: point of pride, do the words exact. I've got to do it clean stay within the form and yep. yet be alive and spontaneous and an actor and a human being within that form. That's always again the 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 sweet spot that you're that you're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. I do think that people tend to use their bodies too much when they act. I think they tense their muscles and they're a little bit too physically big when they act. I think that's much more common than somebody who's not yes, on, on film. I think most people come across a little bit large and a little bit tense and a little bit like their body is doing it for them. That's the quality that I see a lot, that it's like their bodies. And as I said, that gets worse as an undergraduate actor because everything, they're always trying to get you to act more physically in theater departments. I don't know why because they like to hop and jump. I, I'm not sure what it is. It's, it's quasi-acrobatics. It's whatever. Um, but, but I don't think it's very helpful. 
I mean, it's helpful for a certain kind of maybe theater acting, but um, I, I, I don't even know that it's that helpful for that. But for some reason, that's what a lot of theater departments do. They have all these weird movement classes where you're hopping and jumping and doing stuff by people like Suzuki, and you're doing all these physical, highly physical um, things. You know, again, none of which is really going to be of any use to you whatsoever when you go on, on film. And it kind of gets this thing in your body where you're like trying to engage your body in a huge way. That's what a lot of actors are doing. They tend to be very engaged in their bodies, and that's what they think an actor is. Well, that's fine, but on film, it's fucking terrifying to watch, and no one will hire you, that kind of acting. It just isn't. You know, if that guy went in and did that kind of acting that I had talked about, that old man shaking shit, they would have laughed him out of the, of the room. It wouldn't work on any level. Where imagine if this young guy, even though he was in the seagull playing this old man, talked and showed you his brokenness, and showed you his simplicity, and showed you the, the, the little sadness in his heart of what it means to have not had life kind of turn out for him the way he wanted. And that's what that actor was able to work on and work towards and give you. That would work anywhere, even though no one's going to cast him as an old man. So I think you, you got to kind of chill out your body. And it's very hard. You will work on it for years to get it right. It takes a long-ass time to do. And for the most part, for the first 10 years of your work, you will throw up when you see yourself on film. You will not be happy. You'll be nauseated. You'll be like, oh, it's grotesque what I'm doing. It's absolutely grotesque. And you're right, it is. Because what you're doing is acting. You're not living within the scene. And and the the basic thing that an actor is trying to do is convince an audience that they are actually living here in this moment. And in order to do that, you've got to get really used to being, I don't want to say comfortable or relaxed, but just right. This is how it, it is to sit in a chair. This is how it is to be uh, in my office. You know, in major crimes, they were in my office, so it's my office. So how do I feel in my office? You know, it's different than being in someone else's office. I've done scenes in that show where I was on the the bench, and that's different. I'm in a courtroom. Well, this isn't a courtroom. It's my it's so it's it's my office. They're in my chambers, so I can kind of say what I want. And you sit there for a while. You kind of say, "Well, this is my chair. This is my thing. This is my suit. This is my stuff. How do I make it be mine? And it's right. And it's me. And it's nothing to do with the scene, even." That's just the basic thing of I look like I belong in that spot. And in order to work on that, you really have to practice that a lot, you know. And that's even true if you're doing a play. If you are doing a play and, you know, say it's a realistic play, you're doing um, Streetcar Named Desire, and you're in school and a college and you're doing a play and and you have the set. Well, go up on that set at times when people aren't there, before rehearsal, after rehearsal. And just sit there, you know, and don't think of it as, oh, this is a place where I perform. Think, oh, this is my table, and I'm Stella, and this is my table, so how do I want this tablecloth to look? And, oh, that's that stain, and I remember that exact stain because he dropped a cigarette and I left a little brown mark. So I'm, I'm trying to make it that I belong in this world, I belong in this in this space, and I'm not just forcing and pushing my muscles to kind of create a performance. 
And so that's what you do also when you're on on film. It's just hard. It's very hard to like I, I've said to you before. I could have a 10 second silent film of a good actor and a bad actor, and the only thing they do is they walk in a room and they sit in a chair, and you'll know the good actor from the bad actor. Because the good actor sits in a chair and it looks like he's sitting in a chair. The bad actor looks like he's doing a performance of somebody sitting in a chair. And how do you get that kind of going in your muscle memory? And you have to work at that. You have to work at that a lot. And then what happens when you speak? Because a lot of times people speak with too much speakiness or too much uh, announcing their speaking. How do I mean what I say? But not have it sound like I'm saying a line, and a line that I have worked on and figured out how I want this thing to sound. How do I just speak? And yet not do the opposite thing, which is I'm speaking in a way that's trying to make it sound like I'm not really saying lines. So I'm trying to be kind of – because no, no scenes about that. No scenes about what I say really doesn't matter that much, and I'm not – you know. so how do you – how do you and working on that? I actually think it's a very kind of muscular thing, meaning you're working on trying to get that right feel. The way you get kind of muscle memory if you play an instrument, or you get muscle memory if you are a batter. You know, you're trying to get what's that right feel, you know, in my body and in my voice. And am I doing that thing where I kind of oh, I'm doing that fun, that voice thing I do, or am I doing that that eyebrow thing where I get all face twitching? How do I how do I undo that? How do I undo that? How do I undo that? And then you watch the scene, you say, I oh, know I didn't do any of the eyebrow twitching, and you go, no, but I watched the scene, and all it looked like was that's a man trying not to twitch his eyebrows, you know. So you <laughs> then you're back to that, you go, oh, shit, how do I keep myself? And you work on this, 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 and you work on this. And you still work on it. I just heard, not that long ago, an interview with Paul Giamatti. And he said, ah, I'm still struggling with how to not be too big on film, but how to be believed. He was still talking about trying to get this exact right thing. And he said, I like Kevin. Kevin Spacey gets it right. And he's different on stage than he is on film. But Paul Giamatti, who's a wonderful actor, is still working on this. I don't want to know. I was a little too much there. And now... uh, uh, and then, ah, but I look a little fake there. And, ah, that's right. That's it. It's right in that. That's that's the spot. And this is a great, great actor who's still working on this thing, but at least he knows what to be working on. And that's what I'm saying. So watch yourself on film and keep working on it. I'm going to, you know, this fucking show beyond Monday, and I'll watch it. I'll go, oh, that was all right. But then oh, there's a moment there. <laughs> and, and that's the nature of being an actor. It's just like any professional. You're always trying, you know golfers are working on their swing and they have some basic things that they're trying to do right the most important thing at the end of you know people listen to this podcast is they got to know what to be working on that's what i would want is that they go okay i know this is what i got to work on at least i know what i should be working on now i got to work on it and i'll do trial and error and i'll get the nuance of it and i'll figure it out over time but at least i know that's what i want and to me, it's it's being free within the demands of the form, and it's 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 getting it to where you're comfortable, not comfortable where you're right in the right situation. It feels physically right, the size is right, the vibe is right. And so I'm often paying attention to the scale of things, the closeness of things, you know. Um, and I I think about the nuance, and it's okay to say to yourself, ah. I need about a nine, but I was doing about a seven. 
you know, as a direct, as someone that directs sometimes, I, that's so useful, and every actor knows that. If I said, Lee, you're doing a nine, give me a seven, you'll yep. know exactly what I mean. Yep. And I'll say, Lee, that wasn't a seven, that was a four. And then you go, oh, okay, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, we know that. And I think it's okay to think of your mechanism as an actor in that way, you know. That that I'm a little too too, and then I got to just take it down a little bit. But now I took it down too much. And again, I always go back to Shakespeare, who knows so much about actors. He says this exact battle, which is, he says, "Do not saw the air with your arms, thus." And he says, "But be not too tame, neither." And that's exactly here. Paul Giamatti, who's having a great career, and a wonderful actor, is saying, "Oh God, sometimes I saw the air too much, and then then another time I'm too tame. God damn it." How do I get that just right? That's what being an actor is. But he's at least knowing what to look for. You know what I mean? And he's 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 at such a range that he's always good. You know, he just knows sometimes he's a little better than others, and he's always working on refining that. You know, and that's that's the job of being an actor. And so that's what you that's what you work on. Questions? You know. A couple of recordings ago, you told me you were talking about this technique of picking up the sports page or any yep, piece and of just literature read it. and trying to make it sound like it's coming out of your mouth. And I immediately started doing that, and I picked up this book that's been on my shelf forever, and it's a comprehensive history of art from the beginning of art until now. Uh-huh. So it's quite a dense piece of literature. And every day I pick it up, It at first it was Horrid. Oh, I mean, it's I horrible. But you get better at it. You do get better at it. And, and look, I, they're doing like, they're doing a new uh, TV show, which is an Amer- called the Gilded Age. It's the American version of kind of uh, uh, Downton Abbey. You could very easily play. This is this handsome young art dealer from Chicago who's on a date with one of the girls, talking about why he loves the painting and what's unique about it. So you don't know when you're going to have to do lines like that. Look, like I said, all these TV shows, we do people do illegal stuff, the most intense medical stuff or military stuff, the driest stuff are part of the lines. So this is – and I'm really glad you brought this up because I tell people all the time, and I don't think they ever do it. Mm-hmm. They go to the gym five days a week, and they lift for two hours. But if they did what you said, this thing that I've asked people to do, if they did that for two hours, uh, you know, a, a, a day, four times a week, mm-hmm. they'd be it would be a whole different ball game every single time they got into an audition. Yeah, and I went to an audition last uh, just a few days ago, and I it was, when I picked up the script, it was a world of difference between what I had been doing. Because it was just like, oh, this is the same as what I've been doing. This is the same right. thing. Right, and it's, of course, usually it's a, it's, it's a lot easier. And yeah. not just that, but even memorizing, just because, you know, I work, because I'm writing this book now on Shakespeare's, uh, uh, some stuff I found about Shakespeare's sonnets. And so I'm memorizing the sonnets. And I, I live with these things, and I'm turning these words over and over and over and over and over. And so you get to where you know, regular words are a piece of cake because you've been trying to find meaning and 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 be believable with words that are antiquated and different and have a certain kind of a form that are a lot harder to make believable. And but my whole body 
is doing it. My body and my brain and my voice and my soul and my everything. We're all of that stuff that is us. We want to be able to trust all that, you know, and have it do its work. And and you make it automatic. And I always go back to this. The technique to me is exactly like driving, which is we've learned it, we've figured it out, and we really don't have to think about it. You know how to turn. It's in your body. But it's not just in your body. Your brain is making all kinds of decisions when you're driving. You're doing all kinds of things, but it's happening automatically. Um, and that's what you want. And that's why the analogy I always go back to is a musician which is it's a very technical thing and yet tremendously free and involves their muscle memory and um, a, a sports person. You know, it's the, the, the same thing that they're trying to do is marshal all of that. There's a lot that goes into all of it. And then you just kind of push go and, and your body does what it's supposed to do. But it will do that much more if you've practiced enough. And actors just don't. If you took, and we could actually measure this, and you know someone that plays an instrument, any instrument, a friend of yours that plays a guitar, and how much he practices guitar alone, and how much an actor practices, the guitarist would be doing 20 times what the actor does. And that's a shame, because actors think they can't be working on their acting when they're not in a play or they're not doing something. And that's absolutely wrong. They can be. Right. There's a lot of different ways to be doing it. It also seems that there's a there's an idea that if you decide that you're an actor, then you are. Kind of if you just decided that you that that's what you want to be, then you are an actor, and therefore you can act, and that's it. And I, I almost I mean I know a lot of actors, and I've known a lot of actors over the years. They almost never do anything. They don't look at it like a skill. They just look at it like a like a, a, a an art, and because it's an art, it can't be. Nobody can tell them that they're wrong, yeah, and, and nobody can and, tell and, them that. And they're yet, bad. I think you'll find that the actors that do well at it and really have careers, it's because they have been refining this skill, and so they know that. Look, say a hundred people audition for a role. Well, if there's just a few approaches that right away. You know, if you're somebody that's listening to these podcasts, just us, you and I bullshitting about acting in these podcasts, you'll cut that down to 25 just if they just listened once to some of the kinds of things we've been haranguing about. Yeah. But then you go, of that 25, who are the ones that have really been committed to skill? And of those, who are the ones that have been getting better at skills? without losing their mojo or their humanity. And that goes back to this sweet spot thing. Because of those 25, you'll have a lot of that have been working very hard on their skills, and their skills are better. But they may have lost their humanity. So now we've got it down to about 20 people. Mm-hmm. Now we have it down to about 20 people out of the 100 who are even going to have a ball, be in the ballpark. And of that... You say, who is going to be able to live and be real in the situation? And now you're down to under 10. That in the actual audition, who's going to look like a real present tense thing happened in the audition? Now you're down to 10. But if you are somebody who can do what I've just said, 
and get regularly good at making sure that happens. And you're always in the last 10 out of the 100. It's very clear that at some point it's going to line up and they're going to be like, he's the exact right one. Yep. And that you do have some control over. But it also does begin with knowing what you should be working on. And that's where I hope this podcast is helpful because we're trying to identify, like I said, those broader goals, those broader things to work on. Because, you know, um, there's a lot of bullshit about acting out there. If you have an acting question that you'd like Ron Morosco to answer on an upcoming episode, please call Action Podcast number 206-424-9368 and leave your question on the voicemail. This is Lee Foster. Thank you for listening.